We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And this is my time. Keep it here as Roger talks about local and national issues important to you. Talking with the leaders and newsmakers in our community. And now, here's Roger. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show, the program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. Friends, it's great to be with you today on a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Of course, we just completed a major event, our primary elections for the election season 2022, and our program, once again, will be devoted primarily to those elections and now the upcoming general elections. In just a moment, we're going to be joined by Anthony Sabatini, State Representative Anthony Sabatini, who was a candidate for Congress in one of the most um, watched races literally in the country. Turned out to be um, you know, certainly a different kind of race, and we're going to talk to him about that in just a moment. Before we go to Anthony Sabatini, though, I want to, of course, remind you that the Roger Franklin Williams Show is presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster, and Christner's is where you'll find generous cuts of beef and cold water Australian lobster served in an atmosphere of old school elegance and sophistication. They're conveniently located 729 Lee Road, Orlando, which is just two blocks west of I-4. Now let's go to Representative Anthony Sabatini, candidate for Congress, and uh, was defeated in the most recent primary election in a very controversial uh, race, which is all I could, the, you know, the only word I can come up with right now, which really doesn't do it justice. But Anthony, I just like to you know, cut to the heart of the matter. I want to thank you for joining us. Um, is you know, obviously followed your race very qu- very closely. Um, I, you know, as you know, we've, you've been coming on the show at least two years, if not longer. Um, and certainly from the time that you declared that you were going to seek the, this congressional seat, um, you were under, you know, extraordinary attack. In fact, I don't call ever a local candidate coming under the kind of attack that you were uh, in your race. Lots of, you know, mis- misinformation uh, was, 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 you know, used against you. Um, and, and obviously it, it took its toll, uh, having, having been backed by hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'd just like to get your thoughts on, on, on your, the race and the outcome of it and what happened. Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me back on. Love to be on the show. Uh, as you know, yeah, we ran for the open seat here in Seminole and Volusia counties, and uh, I ran on my record of being the most uh, most conservative and hardest-fighting conservative in the entire state legislature and one of the most pro-DeSantis, pro-Trump guys running. And uh, the D.C. Swamp uh, wanted to take me out, so they dropped $1.5 million, $1.5 million in the last three weeks with some really deceptive ads. I'm widely considered single most conservative elected official in Florida, and yet the ads uh, indicated that I was actually a liberal Democrat that uh, hated Ron DeSantis, and 
was uh, voting uh, with Democrats, uh, which is actually quite humorous to anybody that knows me and my record. But uh, the ads worked, uh, you know, X amount of people, and the, the race swung the other way. The guy who run the, ran the race was sort of unknown. He had never voted in Florida, never paid taxes in Florida, owned no property in Florida, but he had written himself close to $2 million in checks to compete. We were still leading him in the race by two points, even though he had self-funded more than, than, than I was able to raise. I raised $1.2 million from 8,200 donors nationwide. Uh, but when that $1.5 million came in from the D.C. swamp, uh, groups affiliated with Kevin McCarthy with the Deceptive Lives, that was pretty much lights out. And so we ended up losing the uh, race. I uh, got second place. Eight people ran. I got uh, in second place with about a quarter of the overall vote, but not nearly enough to win. So, um, you know, it's the way the game is played. You know, but you can't control the outside money. You can't control what the swamp does in your race. That's just uh, we have open elections, and the money plays a big role. So money generally does determine the outcome of 80 or 90 percent of the races. Um, that's just the way it is. Totally fine. Not deterred whatsoever. Uh, I'll be finishing my state house term in November. Then. I'll be right back at it. Um, we're expecting uh, maybe another congressional seat in the area to open up uh, next cycle, and there's always other political positions that we need true dyed-in-the-wool conservatives to run for, and so I will be running for office this spring and uh, continuing the fight. You know, these elections are proxy battles. They're not the actual real uh, battle. The real battle is the battle to take the country back, and these various elections are just steps towards that. So, uh, not super happy about what the swamp did in the race by labeling me the way they did, but uh, happy to be back in the game this spring for the seat and uh, to continue the good work I've done in the state house and in politics here in Central Florida. I'm glad to hear you're you're still that resilient, and um, you know, that was a cruel blow. And, and I'd like to continue to to develop it a little bit more while we have this opportunity with you. Um, and I would say, I would say, yeah, disagree just a little bit with you in that. You said business as usual, and and that's okay. But I mean, I, you know, I, and, and we, you know, and, you know, anybody who's in steps in the political arena knows what a what a brutal brutal situation it is. And um, ha- even having said that, I think this this goes beyond um, what I've ever seen before. Um, the attacks on you and the way they were orchestrated, and that's kind of what I want to continue to explore because, you know, w- w- one of the things you know. And I was expecting you to come under attack because, as you talked about, you were you know, one of the most, if not the most uh, vocal, passionate, um, outspoken defenders of constitutional liberties, however you want to put it, uh, MAGA, America First, um, that, that I've ever seen, literally. And so, so obviously that's going to draw brutal attacks, you know, ostensibly from the left, um, but but you, you, you. From what I understand, you know. So, so, I, so when, I wanted to point, put that on the record, and then also, you know, I when the, I, I knew what what they were doing was resonating because those radio ads um, were fooling a lot of people, and I know that because I was getting a lot of calls from people that heard you on my show, and I, I guess the point I'd like to address specifically right now is that you know I was expecting something like that. I didn't expect it to be that dramatic and that powerful and that misleading. Um, but but I, I would like to just have you speak to a little bit about you know the fact that anybody who's as staunch and as strong as you are, you know, Trump, you know, at the at the presidential level, um, and not many people are as, as staunch and as, as vocal as, as you are, 
uh, about your belief, uh, uh, defending our freedom, uh, is going to come under attack. And um, can you address that? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I guess you're you're right. We definitely need to have that conversation because people need to understand uh, that we don't have the active citizenry that we really need. I mean, the way I always tell people, I said, you know, anybody hears you said the easiest way to fix is all they'd have to do is Google me. You know, if they saw the ad saying I was a radical leftist Democrat, anti-Sanist, absent, absent from votes, all this nonsense. All you have to do is Google me. You would see I have a 98% voting record, attendance record. You'd see I have a 100% conservative voting record, the most conservative state. You'd see I was the only elected official that endorsed Ron DeSantis and his governor primary and backed him from day one. You'd see that he signed five of my bills into law. You would see that I've been a registered Republican for over 10 years and an elected Republican and most conservative Republican for six years, uh, two years in the Houston City Council, four years in the state house. You just have to Google me, but you just you to be completely frank, you really do have twenty, thirty percent of the electorate who either don't know how or just are unwilling to use a Google search bar. They just they're not going to do it. So if they hear a radio ad saying something, they just believe it, uh, almost like cattle. It's really scary, but it's true, just true. I mean, they just do. So uh, we need a better citizenry. You know, we got to get people who do their own research. Um, you know, they got to they got to learn how to. Do their own research. Look up voting records. See who's who, because uh, it could just continue to happen again and again and again. I mean, literally, I'm the most most right wing guy in the entire state, uh, most pro DeSantis guy, and uh, you know they just people fell for it. Uh, one of the, one of the lies they put out was they would say seventeen voted against the DeSantis budget. Well, all you have to do is basically have a seventh grade civics education and realize there's no the governor doesn't create the budget. The legislature creates the budget. And the legislature created a budget that was so liberal that 99% of the Democrats voted for it. And, uh, you know, the governor did propose a budget months before, and that budget was never taken up. But once again, you gotta, you got to know how to do your own research. And a lot of times folks are just not going to do it. What, 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 I think believe the, the, whatever, whatever happens. And the, mon- and the money the money, just comes out. People would say, hey, why didn't you respond? Well, I did respond. I just don't have a $1.5 million response. We, we did about $100,000 worth of response. I mean, I don't think people realize the seriousness of this month. They spent $100,000 a day on television against me, 85000 a week radio. That's $10,000 a day, over $10,000 a day radio, $20,000 a week on text, uh, $100,000 a mail, $1.5 million poured into the race in a 15-day period. So it was very dizzying and confusing for people, and it worked. And I'd like to address that part of it now, and we might go just a little bit longer in this segment, uh, Jeff, and if that's okay with, with Representative Sabatini, is, is once again sticking with the, the why, and the th- one of the things I think was really unusual, or may or may not have been unusual, it's, it's certainly it's the first time that I've been, been aware of it, um, was it wasn't just the left that was coming at you. Um, you know, I've heard some reports, in fact, they were talking about this on the Charlie Kirk show right here on our stations the other night, that a lot of those millions of dollars that they put against you in those negative ads may have, uh, you use the word may, because I like to usually qualify everything to be on the safe side, but may have come from Republicans in Washington, in fact, influential Republicans in the leadership in Washington, which 
once again, does not surprise me because um, of, of how vocal you've been, even on our show, you know, criticizing the Republican leadership in, uh, in the legislature in Florida um, uh, and, and, the, and the, the rhinos and the moderate Republicans and so forth. So I, I, it, it makes sense to me that, you know, the leadership in in, in Washington, the Mitch McConnell's of the world, um, wouldn't want an Anthony, Anthony Sabatini up there. You know, um, you know, so, so anyway, but can can you address that? The fact that some of these millions of dollars that they used against you may have been orchestrated by actual uh, Republicans in Washington in the leadership. Yeah. So, you know, we know from uh, some research we did that the one point five million that came in was not Pelosi, was not left wing groups. It was Republican groups. We won't know until September 20th uh, where it is exactly. And to just sort of keep that short and, uh, and not go too into details. They created a fake pack called American Liberty Action Pack, uh, which is a fake name. It's not. I mean, it's a name, but it's not an actual pack. It's a shell, like an empty, hollow category that they use um, to funnel money from a different pack. So what they did is they created it on August first. So therefore, their filing deadline for when they have to show where the money came from isn't until after the election. It comes up on September twentieth. So I won't even know for another three and a half weeks where exactly the money came from. But what we do know is that if you could research the way these packs are done in the treasurer, you look at the playbook they use, it's probably, it's very likely a Kevin McCarthy establishment Republican pack that was trying to eliminate the most conservative candidates in the country. So they looked at all eight candidates in the race. They saw only one guy that was going to join the Freedom Caucus that was going to vote against higher spending, one guy that pledged to defund the IRS agents, et cetera. That was me. And so they targeted me. They didn't really they didn't really care who else won the race because they saw the rest of the politicians as basically malleable establishment style Republicans, like the guy who won. And they're just going to go there and do what they're told for the most part. But I was somebody that wasn't going to do that, and that's why they targeted me. But no, I mean, 100 percent of the money was all Republican money. Thank you for uh, addressing that that with us. And that's what I really want to try to get across to our listeners. And I want to continue to emphasize this. And uh, because anybody who's a strong voice of America first of our constitutional liberties, things like that, um, is going to come under attack. And, and everybody listening to the show needs to, needs to understand that. I mean, I still get frustrated because, you know, these, these, uh, these constant never-ending attacks on, on um, you know, President Trump, you know, I, are, 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 I still have people, you know, <laughs> on our side, if you will, Oh, I can't believe what Trump did. Yeah, I mean, I, and it really it gets frustrating to me. And I, you know, want, I want to try to help educate as many people as we can. And and anybody listening needs to know anybody who's America first, anybody who's who wants to defend our our God given constitutional liberties is going to come under extraordinary attack. So let's please try not to believe everything we hear on the radio or internet or wherever else. Um, now, now the next, and I know we're over our time, but I just have one more question. Now, you know, the the, the guy who won. Was he kind of – would this money come in, you know, um, and, it, and this technically wasn't part of the umbrella of his campaign. That's technical stuff we won't even get into. That came from third-party you know, interest groups. Um, but but now what – I guess what I'm asking is, was that part of his quote-unquote campaign effort, or was this something totally separate from any of the other candidates that they just wanted to take you out? And, and, well, and, and, th- and thirdly, so. um, you know, the, the guy that, you know, that won, as you said, came and <laughs> popped up in Seminole County out of nowhere. Um, and um, you know, what, what's the situation with him? So he's a guy that lives in Washington, D.C. and makes about 90 percent of his money on federal contracts. And then just thought he could have more influence in D.C. if he was in Congress. 
for his business. So even though he lived in Virginia, votes in Virginia, pays taxes in Virginia, lives in a three and a half million dollar mansion in Virginia, he basically just rented an apartment in Volusia County to pretend he lived in the district. And uh, you know, once again, voters are not doing their own research. We don't have a real media that investigates this kind of stuff. And so they just went with the ads. The ad said, you know, he put out ads saying he was, you know, very tough, conservative, pro-Trump guy. Fine. It, it, you know, obviously, all eight candidates said that. Uh, but if you look at the record, it just wasn't true. He had deleted his social media right before his run. We had no clue if he was ever really MAGA or supported anything Donald Trump did other than when he first ran saying that he was pro-Trump. So people were confused by that. But the real end result of the race was, uh, you know, this 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 outside money that was trying to help get somebody else elected. He ended up being the guy that, that pulled ahead, but there was a few other guys that benefited from it. Anybody that, anytime you were attacking me and deceiving voters into thinking I was some kind of Democrat, you're helping everybody else in the race. And I mean, yeah, I mean, Republicans were trying to basically get rid of the conservative wing. I mean, it's shocking people don't know this already, but yeah, I mean, the, the amount of false advertising against Republicans that comes from more moderate Republicans is, I mean, extremely high, hundreds of millions of dollars. My race alone, they spent $1.5 million. So, no, I mean, this is the Civil War still exists within the Republican Party. And the real MAGA candidates, there are about maybe 20 or 30 out of a Congress of 240. And uh, that's being generous. So, um, no, they're going to continue to fight these primaries to get guys like me kicked out and get guys like uh, Mills, the guy who beat me, elected so that way they can go up there and just support Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell, uh, who are not MAGA, not America First, and definitely not constitutional conservatives. Yeah, it was really a, a fascinating race um, from a negative perspective. Um, you know, I, I really feel for you, uh, what happened to you, I, but I, I'm, I'm encouraged and gratified that you're not, not discouraged by it yourself and you're ready to get back in the arena and, and keep fighting. So, and I appreciate you spending a few minutes with us today to, to, to you know, set the record straight and, and, and tell the inside story, behind the scenes story. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway is that people got to, we got to get our people educated and get them on their doing their own research. I mean, the amount of people that came up to me and said, oh, I see you're being targeted. That's how I know you're the real conservative. I know that they're lying about you. And I would never, I've never seen so much money spent negative advertising against a congressional candidate in history of Florida. Nobody, no Republican has ever been targeted as much as I have in a congressional race in Florida, 1.5 million. That's an actual fact. The amount of people that came up and said, oh, because of that, I'm voting for you because I know that you're the real threat to the swamp versus kind of goofy people who just believe everything they read was probably two to one or three to one. I mean, for each person that knew that that was a way of me being picked out as the biggest threat from the swamp, we're outnumbered probably three to one by people who are just passive uh, believers and <laughs> whatever radio ad or TV ad turned up in, in their house, which is scary, but true. It's just the way we, the world we, we're living in right now. So, well, well, thank you for joining us, and I look forward to continue to, to catch up with you, and, and, and best wishes. Thanks, brother. God bless. Talk to you soon. Representative Anthony Sabtini, you know, obviously uh, targeted and lost a brutal uh, race uh, for Congress right here in Seminole County. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue to talk about the aftermath of the primary elections on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Please stay with us. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Welcome back. 
to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. It's great to have you joining us today. The Roger Franklin Williams Show is a program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Representative Anthony Sabatini about the extraordinary race that he was involved in. Uh, came under withering attack from all various various sectors, uh, including the hard left. And uh, we talked about the aftermath of that race and his plans for the future. On a more uplifting note, we are now pleased to be joined by a man who had an extraordinary victory on Tuesday, a landslide victory, actually, in a crowded Republican primary, once again for another seat for United States Congress. Of course, you've been hearing him on the Roger Franklin Williams show since uh, back around the late spring, early summer. And we're pleased to be joined right now by the victorious in the Republican primary, Colonel Calvin Wimbish. Colonel Wimbish, thank you for joining us, and congratulations. Hey, thank you, Roger. This is really a, a wonderful day, a wonderful week so far. I have not been able to get off the phone or off the Internet on on uh, different uh, social medias, and even my email has been blowing off the hook because the voters of Orange County, Florida, gave me a vote of confidence with a 45% margin to be the nominee for the Republican Party going for the U.S. Congress Orange County District 10 seat that was vacated by Val Deming. But now I'm ready to roll up my sleeves even harder and smarter to make it uh, so come November the 8th. And can you, yes, and it's been great to have you joining us, um, you know, on our show as well. And you really appreciate, um, you know, you come being here with us today. You know, I saw you originally at, they met you originally at uh, one of the, our, our friend Grant Malloy's, center-right meetings, and I was very impressed with the, the message that you gave and your passion behind it, and um, so it's, it's been great to, to get to know you over this campaign trail, and it's gratifying to see your, your big victory. Uh, first of all, before we talk about the mission for the general election um, and the contrast, which are extraordinary, um, can you talk about you know, what you think some of the keys to your, your, your big win was? Because um, even I think people that may have been expecting that you, you might have, have, a, you know, have an inside track to win the race, I don't think would have expected that you would have done so in such dramatic fashion. Well, one of the keys is my honesty, integrity, selfless service. I'm a Christian conservative constitutionalist, and I think that really helped everyone understand who I was and where I was coming from. And can I apologize. You sp- I got all kinds of phones ringing in the <laughs> background. <laughs> yeah, the, the sound of victory. But I wanted to. Um, and can you talk about um, to, to, to pick it up there? And just once again, share for those that may not know, uh, just a little bit about your background. You know, and specifically your your military service. Well, excellent. Yeah. Well, I've been on a journey of life since I left uh, college back in Baltimore many years ago earn my way through school, earn a scholarship. Knew I could rise above my circumstances out of inner city, but didn't let where I lived stop me from realizing that God gives us all the gift to rise above our circumstances. And got commissioned second lieutenant and went on to the 82nd Airborne right out of college and uh, began to command uh, young men uh, how to be good paratroopers and defend our nation. Learned the code of conduct and what it takes to uh, really be prepared to serve your country when called. And went from there on to the 5th Special Forces, which was a challenge, and I like challenges. And when they say you can't, my mind says, yes, you can. And getting through all of that got me to become a, my 
first experience as a Green Beret with the fifth group in Fort Bragg. And uh, went from that, that day, uh, getting pulled up to be uh, part of a, a team. And then the opportunity to become a uh, pilot occurred, and I became a helicopter pilot. And I flew over my career, uh, equivalent of about 25 years in between doing all the other things, from military intelligence officer and being an infantry company commander to being a staff officer with, at some of the units like the Army Air Missile Defense Command when I made the rank of colonel. And all of those experiences uh, gave me a chance to realize that I had talents that uh, could go beyond the military. Even I went to combat and served in uh, South Korea, as well as Iraq and Afghanistan most recently. Two tours in Iraq and one in Afghanistan, Bronze Star recipient. But I wanted to take those skills, and I got into the corporate America. I uh, worked with several 100, Fortune 100 companies as a manager and a leader, and various areas from logistics management to information systems and technology to sales and marketing. Uh, and then uh, when that career ended, I uh, said, well, what are you going to do next? Got my second master's in teacher's leadership and education and uh, went on to teach for five years before we had this horrific withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh, incidentally, many people don't re recall, one year ago today, when those 13 young men and women were murdered, in my opinion, murdered uh, at risk at a, for reasons which they should not have occurred because of what I call poor de decision making and losing your moral compass to not let the 20 years since 9 11 just collapse because of an emotional decision. And as a result, uh, I decided when I woke up, I had to run for Congress. So I applied and went through the gauntlet, and here I stand now, the nominee for the Republican Party for Orange County District 10. And people can learn more about me on my votecal2022.org. Well, first of all, once again, I want to thank you for, for your service, for, for putting in your sacrifice, putting your life on the line to protect my life, protect my freedoms and liberties, and protect all of our, uh, all of Americans' freedoms and constitutional liberties. Thank you, sir, for doing, for, for, for that service and sacrifice courageously. My, my honor. My honor. Now, I'd like to, now... If as we look going ahead, we're speaking with Colonel Calvin Wimbish. He was a dramatic winner in the Republican primary for Congressional District 10 on Tuesday, and now he will face the Democrats in the general election on Tuesday, November the 8th. Going forward, now this is speaking of challenges, and as, as you've shared with us, your life has been uh, the your your life story is basically meeting challenges and overcoming them, and now there's a, another. Uh, challenge coming up, and and one of one of the challenges isn't just running for Congress, um, which is which is a you know big enough task to begin with, but you're running in a district that's heavily or, or, or like more slanted to uh, for the Democrats than it is for Republicans. Many more Democrats in this particular district. How do you plan to go about you know getting those those uh, dem uh, votes from not only Republicans but non-affiliated voters and even uh, getting Democrat votes? Well, one of the things that I've been telling constituents on the Republican side and even some of the Democrats who I've, uh, when I was out door doorbelling with my uh, volunteer team, it's all about the constituents. It's all about the voters. It's not about me. It's not about whether you're Republican or Democrat or if you're nonpartisan, you can't make up your mind or you haven't. It's all about being for right over wrong, good over evil. And I saw that 
the goodness that everyone who is now bearing the weight of some bad decisions from the high gasoline prices for our vehicles to paying for your food or paying for your rent, it doesn't matter. We all are feeling that pain. And the resounding response from all people of Republican, Democrat, and, and nonpartisan was, yes, you're right. And I remind them that when there was a time when the policies and principles were in place before this current administration got in place, were you not better off then at a dollar fifty, dollar seventy-seven cents a gallon versus three to four dollars, and gas went up again overnight, twenty cents, and it's going to go up even more before we get to September, and your rent is not getting any lower, your wages are not getting any higher, and businesses can't even maintain their stability, especially a small businessman. And some of these people were in the small business, the mom and pop stores. You're overtaxed. What are you? What are you benefiting from? And how can we get us out of this downward spiral? And that answer is looking at someone like me. So if you who's got the experience, got the knowledge, and more, so I've got the desire and the inspiration, and I'm not fearful of what I don't know about what's in the swamp of Washington D.C. I'm someone who's been challenged most of my life to get beyond fear and go into harm's way and do the right things right for those who are oppressed. And our nation is being oppressed. And when you've got domestic terrorists trying to change the profile of our nation from one nation under God individual, as our Constitution was established to be, to one where we're walking in goose steps like a rigid society that I've fought against from Iraq and Afghanistan to what I saw, and we all see in China and North Korea, enough's enough. This is what I think I can do better than any opponent on the Democratic side that may come up and try to challenge me for the winning the hearts and minds of the voters of Orange County. We're speaking with Colonel Calvin Wimbish. He was the victor in the Republican primary for congressional seat 10 over a large number of candidates. One in dramatic fashion, he will be on the ballot on election day in the general election facing a Democrat in Congressional District 10, the Democrat nominee. Well, one more question, Colonel Wimbish, and uh, uh, this may or may not be a tough question. Um, <laughs> you, you, you know, as, as I said before, you know, the, the district, you know, Congressional District 10 it has a Democrat incumbent now, uh, you know, Congresswoman Val Demings. Uh, who, who, of course, she's running for, she's vacating the seat to run for U.S. Senate. Um, y- y- and the seat historically in recent years has been heavily a uh, Democrat um, seat, uh, con- considered to be a quote-unquote safe Democrat seat uh, with uh, with big registration advantage. Also, if I'm not mistaken, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, a, a large number of the uh, percentage of the district are African-Americans. Um which, of course, is, as we know, African uh, our, our African American citizens vote overwhelmingly for uh, Democrats. You know, something to the tune of ninety percent. Uh, you know, consistently. Um, as an African American yourself, how, how do you um, can you and, and how do you plan to to convert some of these lifelong loyal African American Democrats to vote for you, the Republican, in this race? Well, like uh, you've actually answered my question for me. I am African-American, but I look beyond what is on the outside. I'm also mixed blood, and my kids are mixed blood. And at the end of the day, it's not the color of your skin. It's the content of your character. And I think most of the African-Americans that I've spoken with so far, 
many of them are in the religious sector as well as in the business sector. When it comes to the, the dollar, <laughs> it's about the profit and margin that's talked about, the dollar that we all have to use. Many Americans have to stretch their dollars. And in the African-American community, those who are what is referred to as the lower end of the social economic the part of society, uh, a dollar doesn't go very well, uh, far when it's now, now only worth 30 cents, 40 cents on the dollar after you take out all the, the taxes that are overwhelming the people every time they buy something, the price of bread or eggs or, or even the buying a, a whole chicken has gotten to the point of ridiculous, but yet you have to spend as much for gasoline to get across the work. Many of the blacks that I talk to, black Americans, want the same things that every person of every color wants. They want to have the benefit of knowing their dollars will be able to take care of their families, make sure their children can be clothed, that they have good schools so they can pay for those materials and have good guidance. And we all want the same thing. And I want them to realize that we're in the demographics of here in Orange County, blacks make up about 22%, 23% of the demographics. But what I'm asking my black community to realize is that Let's go beyond the outward of, of expression of the hurt and pain that we've had in the past and look at the inward opportunity that we now can have when we can change the direction that has happened. I want the rent to be lowered in, in the African-American community. I want better security and police in those communities and a stronger nature, not to harm but to protect. And many of the African-Americans said they're fearful of some of the people, the criminals, the gangs that are already in the area. We need a stronger opportunity with our mayoral leadership, both the city and Orange County and the mayor of Orange, uh, city of Orlando, the mayor of Orange County, to collectively put their actions, their words into action. Let's sweep the streets of those who are running this, this, the streets with crime and criminals and guns, illegal guns. We all want that for our kids, not to be worried about playing on the street and getting shot. This is resonating back to me from the people I've talked to. I'm in Paramore and Washington Shores and, and um, Pine Hill constantly trying to help them help me find a, a pathway that they agree if this is a better way to lower the pressure that's on their, their communities and their children and their businesses and their livelihood, then I'm the better choice for voting for me than the Democratic opponent. Well said, and thank you for, for joining us today. Um, and I know you're super, super busy, but uh, it's, it's great to, uh, once again, congratulations on the huge victory. We look forward to continue to speak with you um, on, on the campaign trail for this uh, one, uh, this other, this most recent dramatic challenge that you're facing. Well, thank you, and I really would like to remind the voters, please contribute to my campaign. You can do it online at votecal2022.org. I've got huge endorsements from uh, all the conservative churches of Orange County, uh, they, they had just endorsed me right in the beginning, 127 of them. John Stenberger and his organization, and you can see the other endorsements that have come my way. So thank you, America. Thank you for the citizens of Orange County. Thank you to my volunteers that worked so hard to help me get to this point. And now we're ready to roll out sleeves up and win this election on November the 8th. God bless you, Roger. I hope to talk to you soon and again on another victory on that day. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Colonel Calvin Wimbish, candidate, the Republican nominee for United States Congress Congressional District 10, which is right here in Orange County. We'll take another quick break. We come back. We look forward to being joined by our friend Vito Fira of Network Sound and Video. 
Please stay with us. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now back to the studio. Here's Roger Franklin Williams. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Friends, it's great to be with you today. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you during these uh, very interesting and in some cases very trying times. Of course, the Roger Franklin Williams Show is the program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. Right now, we're pleased to join. First of all, I hope you're enjoying the program. It was great to get great insights from two congressional candidates, uh, really a tale of, of two s- stories, basically. Calvin Wimbish won a, uh, was a huge victor in the Republican primary for congressional seat number 10. He will be, as we talked about, uh, decided underdog in the general election, but uh, certainly somebody with his passion and energy um, and uh, just track record of success. I certainly would not count Colonel Cal- Calvin Wimbish out of a, pulling off a huge general election upset victory. And of course, Anthony Sabatini, who's helped to share the inside story of the the, the very sordid story of uh, the way that he came under withering attack from it, which included, unfortunately, certain elements of the Republican Washington swamp in his race. But right now, we're going to have a rather dramatic shift um, in direction, and we're going to be joined on a, a more uplifting note by our friend Vito Fira of Network Sound and Video. Vito, great to speak with you today. Roger, Roger, great to hear from you also, and it's always great to talk to you. A lovely, incredible, uh, loving audience, let's put it that way. They're always charming when they come in, especially when they tell us that they just heard the, our ads or something like that on the Roger Franklin Williams show. It's wonderful. Well, I know that you're a certain, a, certainly a favorite of our audience because I talked to some of them, and um, you know they they always love the times that they they not only of course love the great work that you and Rhonda do uh, in such a professional manner, but they just love coming over and, and, and hanging out, if you will, spending time with you and Rhonda as well, and seeing the, the passion that you have for, for their precious memories. Well, absolutely, and we have our customers, and not only are they customers and clients, but they wind up being our very, very good friends. And they'll just pop in sometimes just to say hi. How many people just, like, would walk into a, a store just to say hi to their to their buddies that just maybe had done a, uh, a slideshow for them and they tell them how great it was. It was the, it was the entertainment thing of the, of, of the occasion. They, everybody loved it. Or, you know, we did all their slides for them or we had done their videos or their records. And, oh, my gosh, they can't they can't wait to come back in just to – to share some of the good stuff that happened here. And I'm, I'm not bragging on myself because, you know, it's God's company. We just run it for him. But I think as, as long as we've been in this business almost 43 years, we must be doing something right because we can bring these wonderful people back in, like I said, just to say hello, and they've become our, our loyal friends at the same time as, as being those customers. No, absolutely. It, uh, you take a personal interest in, in every single customer, and, and that's and that's obvious. Can you talk about now along those same lines – taking a personal interest in helping uh, you know, your customers and people that aren't even your customers yet preserve their precious, cherished memories, um, especially in the threat of bad weather and catastrophic, catastrophic events that could damage our homes um, or even cause us to have to evacuate, such as, of course, we are in the dreaded hurricane season right now. Can you address what you can do to help uh, people avoid a, uh, an even bigger catastrophe uh, of losing their precious memories? 
Well, thank you for the question. We appreciate that. And people call all the time, and they'll have this same expression that you just said, say, how can I get some of these boxes and boxes, crates of videotapes, film of their audio cassettes, records, and reels that their dad and mom had recorded and rock and roll bands had been recorded and stage shows and every imaginable thing from Disney trips and, and uh, you know, vacations to the Rockies all around the world. They said, we have all these huge crates and stuff. How can we preserve them? So the best thing to do is to get these down into the digital formats, and they can walk out with some of these archives that were in originally huge boxes in their pocketbooks or their purses, in their in their pockets. Guys, everything's on a flash drive or a miniature um, uh, hard drive or even, on, like, say, on DVDs, if they just want nice, skinny little DVDs. We put those in albums, and they can't believe it. You know, we have to help people back in, in and out of the car uh, with their with their archives when uh, we have to be preserved because they have these crates. So that's the first thing. And then if they were had to evacuate due to a fire or a flood or something like that, where they had to get out quickly, all those boxes and crates are sitting all over the house, right? Well, we can bind them all into these flash drives for them, or, in, like I said, CDs or DVDs, which are easy to manage and easy to carry. They could grab them right out of the entertainment cabinet, right off their bookshelf, throw them in the car, throw them in the glove box, throw them in the trunk if they had to get out quickly. Or if they're just visiting someone and they want to bring all those memories, you know, across the miles of traveling with them and in, in, uh, in their luggage. They couldn't put all those big videotapes and things like that into uh, a box and take them with them, but they take these flash drives and they take the digital hard drives and the discs right with them. And so that's the easiest thing. So if they have to get out because of a fire or a flood or a hurricane, for instance, it makes it so much simpler because they know that their stuff is restored. It's, now it's on a newer format, and it's easy and lighter and easy to move and carry around with them. Absolutely. Now, one of the reasons I want to keep harping on this is because, now, fortunately, this has not happened to me, but it could happen to anybody. In fact, even you don't even need a storm, you know, as we see, uh, we hear about, and sometimes uh, happens to us, is a leak, pipes, pipes burst. We have a leak, uh, you know, uh, washing machines over overflow, um, things like this. <clears throat> rooms get flooded, and uh, and, and you know, obviously in some cases the rooms could could be where we have uh, these wonderful pictures and everything in, in a cardboard box or whatever. And I, one thing that was really graphic to me was, you know, back several years ago, and I don't quite remember now whether it was uh, 2016 or 2017. You know, we we got hit hard. Uh, in Central Florida by a hurricane, uh, and I was remember I was driving along over in Eustis, uh, along a lakeside um, between Eustis and Mount Dora on one of those beautiful lakes, and a wonderful, you know, very nice homes that were on the lakeside of the street uh, were were flooded. Um, you know, yards were just were water. Um, you could see your water got into the houses um, in, in on their on the on their first floor. And I'm just thinking that hit home with me because, you know, I still have a lot of wonderful things um, uh, on the first floor um, in boxes. And I I just uh, had a flash and I thought, well, you know, if, if something like that happened at my house, you know, I'd have a many of our things ruined. So anyway, it's just um, things can, bad things can happen without warning. And it's just, uh, you know, they, you, we can all avoid uh, that, those kinds of catastrophes by a visit to Network Sound and Video. There you go, and you're right, because the, the water can damage the videotapes, and it does, and we have to repair these things every day. When folks bring them in, a lot of times they don't even realize it, but they can be covered in like a fungus. 
there's like a mold on them, and we have to clean all of that so they are restorable. But it is because of a water leak that happened in a garage or something that dripped in the attic or when the roof leaked or something like that. And, and now they're preserved in something like digital. You could take DVDs and CDs, by the way, Raj. You could throw those in the bathtub and take them back out, and they're going <laughs> to play because they're all digital. They're impregnated digital blocks that are inside the, the plastic. You you put a you put a videotape or, or or you know something like a cassette an audio cassette and it, it gets wet it's ruined and it's really really hard to dry out clean out and plus they will get fungus on them so all that has to get clean too so it's really really a smart idea to have these archives preserved in the newer lighter and smaller digital formats that are so much more durable than the original state and of course the size is a big factor too and no no one thing if you. Um, we have a few minutes left. I did want to mention, because I think it's very topical as we head into football season, and I'm kind of surprised and amazed with how many guys I run into now that um, back have film from back in the day, the 8mm film or uh, other other size of film from back their playing days. And I'm talking, you know, back 60s, uh, 70s, 80s, uh, maybe even before. Um, and, and how... Um, you know, but but that you can you can take care of that too, and you can get that uh, brought up to up to up to speed. We bring all the sports videos back, Roger, because you probably remember the old days when they would say like, uh, "Now we're doing a sports clip, uh, run the film." Well, guess what? It really was film. It was generally eight millimeter or even sixteen millimeter film uh, that they ran, and most of those those games were recorded. And then the week following after the game, the guys would be back into the you know the the workout rooms and such, and and the coaches would run the films. So they could see what they did, what they did good, what they did not so good, you know, like that. So that's what they did. They reviewed all the films. But the great thing about it is we can restore those old football films, basketball. You should see what we do. We just did some tennis uh, matches and things like that and bring them back. And now these guys can watch them. And remember, a team is a team. It's a bunch of people that are on the team. So once they find out that one guy has that original film, they're so excited because they'll tell their buddies about it from 20, 30, even 40 years ago. And now they want a copy. I got to have a copy of that. My gosh, I was on there. I was skinny. I was built great. You know, so it's the funniest thing. So they're calling us up and saying, I need five more copies because I found the rest of the guys on the team. So, but yeah, it's amazing. But to bring it back and to restore it, and a lot of times it looks better than it did on the original film because now it's digitized. So that's a great thought. Thank you for bringing that up. And one other thing, too, uh, for the guys that have kids, uh, it, it's really a, an extraordinary uh, thing to have because I guess this is just human nature because and I know this for, for a fact from some of the guys that I know, friends of mine, uh, even guys that I idolized as a little kid, um, and, and were really, really a big deal when it comes to sports, uh, football particularly, um, their kids are, are oblivious to all that and, 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 and don't really yep. seem to have the, the, the chip that allows them to re- quite get it. But, then, but, but when they see it with their own eyes you know, on a video screen um, that's, that's been, been you know, you know, updated thanks to you, um, th- th- they figure it out. And, and it, 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 mm-hmm. it brings so much joy to these guys that finally their kids realize that they actually you know, were a big deal back in the day. You're right. You're right. It's hard enough for parents to get their kids to believe anything you tell them. <laughs> but then when they tell them, I used to play for the 49ers. I was on the Philadelphia Eagles team. I played for the Raiders. Like, yeah, Dad, right. <laughs> and then when they see it, because the fathers have these old films from 30 years ago, how are they going to play it? When they see it, they're like, Dad, you're my hero. I can't believe you really are. And then they're telling their friends. So it's one thing <laughs> they have. Now they can, they can say their parents were really they were honest about that, and they really did play these sports. So. Yeah, that, that's a fun factor, too. And it's great to watch these games. I mean, helmets and things that are, that are just 
oh, flimsy, uh, flimsy uniforms that the, that the football players used to wear. No knee pads, no chin guards, nothing, you know. It's good to watch all that fun stuff. So yeah. it, it makes it a blessing. And the scoreboards and even what the, what the fans oh, are wearing. Yeah. You know, the, the fashions, how, how uh, what people yeah. wear to the games have changed over the years. Absolutely. Yeah. And the announcers have the sweep, the big sweep over their hair and stuff like that. And they're, and they're announcing with these little skinny microphones. It's great. It's just fun to watch, fun to watch the technology, how it's changed over the years. But we bring it all back to life, that's for sure. It's Network Sound and Video, and you can find them at NetworkSoundandVideo.com. You can visit them at... 2550 Ronald Reagan Boulevard in the Merritt Center, or just give them a call at 407-834-8555, Network Sound and Video. Vito, thank you for joining us once again, and thank you for what you do to serve our listeners. Thank you very much, Rod. We appreciate it. Now, you guys and all your listeners out there, have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you, Vito Fira, Network Sound and Video. Well, friends, that's going to be it for our show today. I want to thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful rest of the day.